Hi, and welcome to Figure Speech, a program from WRBH, where every week you can meet local poets and writers from the New Orleans community and listen to them share their work. In this episode, we will hear poetry that was created by participants in the Jewish Community Center's Alzheimer's Care and Enrichment Program, better known as ACE or ACE. ACE is a respite program designed specifically for people with Alzheimer's disease or related conditions. The program offers those with Alzheimer's an opportunity to engage in social and recreational activities and promotes a sense of community and self-worth. Joanna Russo of the ACE program, Ms. Betty Anderson, a former schoolteacher and one of the participants who created the poems being read, and poet Esme Franklin recorded this figure of speech session. Esme was the poet in residence who conducted the ACE activities which led to the creation of these works. Take a listen. Hi, my name is Esme Franklin, and I'm here with Joanna Russo and Betty Anderson. We are here to showcase some poems today that we wrote as part of the Alzheimer's Care and Enrichment Program with the Jewish Community Center Uptown. And I'll let Joanna speak for a moment about that program before we launch into some poetry. Hi, Esme. Hi, Betty. Hello, everybody listening. Um, the Alzheimer's Care and Enrichment Program is a respite program for folks with Alzheimer's or related dementias. Um, it meets at the Jewish Community Center on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And the idea is that the program is a social space uh, where folks can come together as part of a community um, where everyone is able to contribute something and feel like it is their place. So we do a lot with music. We do different sorts of visual arts. There's a nursery school at the Jewish Community Center who comes in and visits with us sometimes as well. So um, we do a lot to ensure that it feels like a place where everyone uh, can contribute and belong. And we're so glad that you are able to come and do a poetry workshop with us. Thanks. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So over the summer, I went once a week up to the JCC and did a poetry class with the folks in the ACE program, which was a lot of fun. We did a lot of different reading and experimenting and writing of our own. So we're kind of here today to celebrate the work that we created during that class over the summer. And Betty has kindly offered to read some of those poems that she and her friends wrote. Betty, do you want to introduce yourself? Maybe tell us where you're from? Well, I can tell you for a fact. I was born May 21st, 1927. That was a very famous day in history. Do you know what it was? Tell me. Remind me. In aviation history, it was the day that Charles Lindbergh landed in Paris. Now, I have to share this little squint because it's a part of my life, keeping things in perspective. But when we were growing up, our parents never told us their ages or their wages. So when somebody, one of my kids said, Ma, just tell us how old you are. I said, well, you do the math. <laughs> I was born on the day that something very famous happened in history. And the famous man's name began with the letter L. Never heard another word till the last day of school. And her teacher said, Betty, you really ought to tell her how old you are. <laughs> I said, I thought it was figured out. She said, no. She said, you were born the day Lincoln freed the slaves. Oh <laughs> <laughs> no more secrets. <laughs> That's a good one. Well, thank you for 
sharing that with us, Betty. It's great to have you here. It's a part of my life. Keeps things in perspective. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. So I think we'll talk about some poems now. Let's do it. Great. So we um, we wrote eight poems over the summer, which I thought was pretty impressive output. Because as a poet myself, I know it takes a long time to write even a single poem sometimes. I haven't written eight poems and I don't know how long. I was very proud to be a part of watching the group create all of these, I think, pretty good pieces of literature here. So when we started, we um, we kind of went thematically and we chose to focus on certain themes every week. And when we started, we kind of opened the book with animals because I think that everyone at some point has experienced a connection or, you know, disconnection. Maybe the dog peed on your shoes or something with an animal, right? So we read a poem by Jim Harrison called Horse that I found kind of reveals itself in an interesting way, in a way that I think anyone can appreciate that a poem can excite and surprise. So I thought I might read that poem out and then let Betty read the response poem that we wrote to Horse. So this is a poem by Jim Harrison. It's called Horse. A quarter horse, no rider, canters through the pasture. Thistles raise soft purple burrs. Her flanks are shiny in the sun. I whistle and she runs almost sideways toward me. The oats in my hand are sweet to her. Dun mane furling in its breeze, her neck corseted with muscle, wet teeth friendly against my hand. How can I believe you ran under a low maple limb to knock me off? So we talked a lot about the surprise in that poem and the reveal of the narrator being the once rider of the kind of elegant, larger-than-life horse, her dun mane furling, and she knocks him off. And it's revealed that, you know, the power dynamic is not all that it seemed. So we kind of talked about animals and surprise, and we wondered about animals. We talked about animals we'd interacted with, questions we have about animals, what strange little mysteries they are. And we settled to talk about a beaver, because that was on everyone's mind that day. So I wonder, Betty, would you mind reading us beaver now? Read this one? Mm Mm-hmm. Building dams, splashing his tail, wearing his own furry coat while a hunter hides in the reeds, waiting to fill his own hungry needs, be they fish or fowl. What does a beaver eat? Too late in the day to risk the owl. The thistle, shining in the late sun, shows that teeth and talons tell tales. What do you think about that one? Hmm. A little ominous, huh? I'm trying to remember what feelings I have about beavers. Hmm. And I know that growing up somewhere in school or somewhere, we had a beaver identification. It was friendly. It was okay. So, and uh, But that was offset by my recognition of somebody who wore a beaver skin coat. Um. And... I had that feeling that it was threatening. Hmm. And beavers weren't the sweet little pets you thought they were. (laughs) In some way, it was more threatening after it had been made into a coat. Teeth and talon tell tales. I think that might be evident in the poem here. We wrote that he's wearing his own furry coat, which I think is interesting, given your recollection. So after animals, we talked about another classic poetry theme. Love. 
And for that, um, that particular session, we read Gregory Orr, who I think is a great poet, um, from one of his books, How Beautiful the Beloved. We read a couple of excerpts. We kind of talked about how the beloved can be an idea or a time in one's life or a desire or a person or, you know, self. We can be our own beloveds. And I think that the poem that we got out of the, that particular week was really interesting. So we all kind of talked about what we wanted at different points in our lives and how desire changes over time and how we remember that change. So this was a, a really fascinating group effort where we all kind of went through and talked about our desires and our changing desires. And if you'd like, Betty, we can now read Changes, the poem that we got out of that exercise. Changes. When I was younger, I wanted money, adventure, shoes, and to be a princess of the world. When I was older, I still wanted money. Maybe a job or maybe not. I wanted to retire only to work again. Now I want a good memory and good health, happiness, or my children, a pile of National Geographics, and to be left alone with my purple passion to make my own daisy white peace. It's Thank not you. asking for much. <laughs> <laughs> Should rethink those wants, huh? <laughs> Might ask for a little more next time. That week we had, um, I had brought some flowers in and we were looking at flowers in the different colors that, different colors we've always, we associate with different feelings and emotions. I think it's interesting that we settled on purple passion and daisy white peace. I think peace there is a little bit more recognizable, but purple passion was very exciting to me. I think that was one that the group really focused in on. Would you say you want anything in particular now, Betty, that this poem didn't maybe? Hot coffee. Hot yeah. coffee. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's all she wrote. That's changes being always subject to change, I think, was one of the big takeaways from that week. It was hard to settle on what we wanted and what we would change. So we tried in this class to look at a lot of poets that folks might have read in their own school days and so of a particular era and we got a lot of good response from reading Dickinson and Wordsworth and Shelley and these kind of like very like early modernist and kind of romantic era poets. I remember a number of folks in our group in the ACE mm -hmm. group had memorized some of these poems. Yeah. Did you ever have to memorize poetry when you were young, Betty? We did for church. For Easter Sunday, you recited poems and, you know, holidays. But it was usually around church things. Huh. Mm. And uh, certain church holidays do recitations. Oh, that's cool. We had a colonial cemetery behind our house. And there were markers that showed that George Washington had visited there and so forth. Mm. But there was one marker that I liked. It was a four-sided base, and around each side was two lines of the poem. And I used to visit that regularly. It was a sh almost a shrine for me. I would go, stop, view this tomb as you pass by, for you are now as once was I, and I am now as you shall be, prepared to die and follow me. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> A memento mori, for sure. That was my special visit. Stop. An arresting command. Yeah. We actually, we did write um, some poems with commands in them, but we'll get to those in a little bit. So this next one that we wrote is actually really fun, I think. 
it was after an Emily Dickinson poem, By the Sea, which is a little bit one of her more longer kind of narrative poems, not the style I think that she's typically known for. And we had a lot of fun reading the poem and then coming up with an associative kind of glossary or lexicon. Coming up with what? We associated words and then created our own oh. lexicon, right? So we had a list of words that we then made ourselves use to create a poem of our own version of By the Sea. So a lot of these exercises ended up in us kind of associating what we read on the page, what others have put down before us, and then coming up with like, you know, in our own minds, what stands out as important or striking or memorable. So this was an interesting one and in that I think it's evident um, how fun the group was and how kind of active and imaginative everyone was. So I won't read the Emily Dickinson. I think we'll skip straight to our creation, which is a little bit more local. Um, and Betty, would you like to read Hoping by the Sea? Our response to Emily Dickinson's By the Sea. I read this one. Mm. I started in New Orleans without a basement. The necklace was my attire. I wanted to be on the sunny beach with my dog and cat, as warm as toast and sweet as cheese. Long John Silver came up to us and said, Bow wow. And that was that. <laughs> Short and sweet. I think that poem contains one of my favorite similes ever, as warm as toast. <laughs> That one stuck with me for a while. Also as sweet as cheese. Mm -hmm. That makes me pause because I understand it, but I don't usually think of cheese right. as sweet. Right, which is the beauty of poetry. You kind of understand it, but it's a little surprising and weird. <laughs> yeah, as warm as toast and sweet as cheese. So then, like I mentioned, we went on to the romantic poets, Wordsworth and Shelley, and this is where we got a lot of response from folks who had studied these poets in their younger days. In particular, I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud, I think, was one that a lot of people had memorized. And that was really exciting to kind of see the words and the lines come out of thin air rather than just being on the page in front of us. It was really exciting. I mean, I know that I've memorized a little bit of Shakespeare in my life, but can't imagine, you know, however many years from now having it all kind of come flooding back. is like the mind works in many different and exciting ways, I think. So we did the classic I Wandered as Lonely as a Cloud. And then we looked at some romantic era art as well, because I think the art of the time really inspired a lot of this like man's connection to nature and these kind of wild, colorful, dramatic scenes that everyone was really feeling this like philosophical, deep seated movement of how man is to be in his world and in the natural world. So this was kind of a short and sweet one that we wrote in response to a painting rather than a poem. I think it was interesting to have us interact with the art as well as how art translates back into words. So Betty, if you'd like to read The Ruins in Gloom, which is our artistic response poem. It is a dark and cloudy morning, but the world has opened its eyes. It ignores the ominous warning sent by the threatening skies. Positive? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Positive indeed. This one was fun because we set ourselves some rules as well, which poets often do. So the class was really good at rhyming. They had a lot of rhymes in them. So we had this kind of typical end line, A, B, A, B, rhyme scheme. It is a dark and cloudy morning, but the world has opened its eyes. It ignores the ominous warning sent by the threatening skies. So we have our rhyme scheme 
and we have a little bit of a lilt throughout the lines. It is a dark and cloudy morning. And then we used colons and exclamation points to kind of end stop and lead ourselves, end stop and lead ourselves. I think that was a really fun exercise for us because I myself know that like when I write, sometimes I have no idea what to say, but if I just have a set of rules, all of a sudden I have so much more to say because I'm constricted. So that was a really fun way to practice wanting to say things, but needing to say them in a particular way on the page. And then in our next romantic kind of poetic escapade, we did a little bit more visual thinking and we looked at some natural landscapes and spoke to them. So we kind of did the ode style, right? Um, we spoke to a water scene, a forest scene in the fall, and a mountain scene. And if you remember, Betty, we had looked at some some kind of arresting visual images and then tried to speak to them as if we were just poets, you know, summoning this conversation with the nature around us. A little bit presumptuous maybe, but a fun exercise. So this one was to a landscape that we wrote after after Shelley's poems. Did you want to read this one for us, Betty? Dear expanse of water, will we hear you flatten the bananas with the wind? Oh, forest, do you feel natural in your bright red as Adele in her new dress? And mountain, do you feel the winter cold? Do you mind your perpetual damp? Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. It's interesting to feel differently rereading them because mm -hmm. they'll always elicit new feelings, which is kind of the, the wonderful thing about poetry. I remember this one, I think we focused a lot on Adela this week because she was, she was kind of experiencing a lot of memories about her childhood. Adela was another member of um, the group at the JCC and um, she'd grown up, grown up in Honduras on kind of near a banana farm and she had a bright red dress on this day. <laughs> So we see a lot of these like living memories totally, you know, intertwined within these lines. that The group was then able to like use as a collective memory, I think, which is like a really incredible experience. Adela also, I remember, told a story about a red dress, mm -hmm. maybe a different red dress, where her husband had not wanted her to buy a red dress. Right, yeah. They said, don't come home with a red dress. Yeah. And, you know, in the years since he's passed, she now wears whatever she pleases right. and it, bright red dress something fun I think about these poetry workshops that you let us in is that sometimes thinking about things poetically mm -hmm. brings these memories back up and mm -hmm. back in, brings us back to the present yeah yeah and we see how we can you know pull very very real moments from our own lives and see them as being kind of poetic you know like what is this understanding of what is a what is a poetic moment? We think of it as this kind of heightened or maybe dramatic thing, but it can be as simple as remembering a red dress that you weren't able to wear and now wearing it and then having all of us share in that memory, which I think was a very exciting moment to just hear Adela speak out about that. And now it's forever on this page. <laughs> and I know we're getting towards yeah. our time. Is there maybe one more poem? One more good one? Do? Yeah, definitely. Let's see. Betty, I remember... Um, I think you had a lot of fun the day that we did. Mm -hmm. You had a lot of fun the day we did translation. Remember, I brought in some Dante, and we we listened to a little bit of the Italian um, Inferno. It was very dark and dramatic and rhyming. And then we had actually translated some English to English as an interesting exercise. And I think I remember you being kind of fascinated that day with how so many poets have translated Dante 
and they obsessively keep doing it, right? No one's ever going to not publish Dante or translate Dante. We all think that we can reinterpret these poems again and again. So we didn't try to translate Dante because we wouldn't, you know, we don't want to be that obsessive person. But we did a little, um, a little translation of an Adelaide Crapsey poem that I think you were interested in earlier, Betty. So we picked our own words and thought about all the different things that they mean and the ways that each single word can change everything around it, which I think is a lot like the way that our memories work, right? Every moment that we recall can change any other moment around it. I feel sorry for Adelaide. Oh, no. The name. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's kind of an unfortunate name, you're right. <laughs> sorry to any Adelaides out there listening to the program. I think it's the last name, not the first name that we're worried about. <laughs> Poor thing. Do you want to read this last one for us, Betty? With speedy, wonderful spreading reach of her grand arm, flung back the drapes that closed my spirit from living. Well, I guess anybody could do that. <laughs> what is it about poetry that you like most? What is it? What is it about poetry that you like? I think I associate it with my very earliest childhood memories and feeling comfortable and secure with people reading it, and my liking it and understanding it. So it became part of me. Hmm. Betty the poet and didn't know it. <laughs> You like poetry? Not as much as you do. No, do you like it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, I think you can know that you're a poet now, Betty. I think one of the reasons I liked it was because we were exposed to it so early on in school. It's a natural part of our English. Mm -hmm. And then when I found out that I could put words together like that, it became a second nature. I think it does mean a lot to a lot. Of, I think poetry does mean a lot to a lot of children. You know, I know it's not always taught well, in school I think what anymore. Helps is if somebody, like a teacher or somebody, isn't analyzing it and destructing it and making it, but just making it a, a natural part of your 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 life and your what goes on in your mind. You don't have to feel like you've got to be a word engineer to enjoy it. I think that's totally right. Anyone can enjoy it. Yeah. And thank you, Esme, for coming in to the Alzheimer's Care and Enrichment Program and sharing the experience of creating poetry with us. Yeah. At the Jewish Community Center, it was really a pleasure to have you come spend time with us and, and bring us back to that elemental use of words, like, like you're saying, Betty. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. This has been great. Thank you for reading, Betty. You're welcome. Anytime. That was Joanna Russo of the Alzheimer's Care and Enrichment Program, Miss Betty Anderson, who is a former school teacher and one of the participants in that program, and poet Esme Franklin, who served as the poet in residence for the aforementioned program. For more information about the JCC's ACE program, visit their website at www.nojcc.org or call Rachel Ruth, Director of Senior Services, at 504 897 or three. A huge thank you to Sean Jackson for all of her efforts and hard work in putting this session together. And that's our show. You've been listening to Figure of Speech, a community poetry and writing program from WRBH. Tune in Saturdays at 1 p.m. and every Monday at 9 p.m. for more great New Orleans writing. Thank you for listening.